Hi, and thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. I'm the Red-Headed Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford. I'm the pastor at St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. And the message and the scriptures today are for July 10th, 2022. The readings are from Deuteronomy 30, Colossians 1, and Luke 10, beginning at verse 25. The bulk of the sermon focuses on the gospel reading, which happens to be the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I take a look at that through the lens of today, asking and and quickly answering for the purpose of the message in the context of our times, who is the person who's beat up and left half dead? Who are those who beat him up? Who are the thugs? Who are the robbers who are doing this damage? Who are the Levite and the priest? Who is the Good Samaritan? And I unpack these and a little bit more as I hope you will find this sermon, which is called Jesus' Parable. Uh, Not Jesus' Parable, but A Parable for Our Violent Times. Here we go. Andre Glockner is our lector. In our passages today, Jesus gives us one of his greatest parables on how to live and show love. The idea of living by these commandments of God is made clear in our first reading. But before you and I turn our ears and minds to these old but always new scriptures, let us spend some moments in prayer to prepare ourselves that we might get the most of what God has to tell us this morning. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Spirit of God, we are here in a specific time and place. You existed before time began, and there was and there was a realm called birth. You spoke through the Torah, Jesus, and Luke. You still do. Be present with us now, we ask, that the words which you inspired over two millennia ago will come alive and full of meaning for us. Open our souls to listen. Guide our thinking about these passages after church is over. Guide our doing them all. All these blessings of illumination we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 30, verses 6 through 14. Moses is speaking to Israel before the people move to the promised land. He has just told them that if and when they fall away from God, if they return later, God will be rich in mercy. Shortly after this, our reading picks up. Moses continues, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, in order that you may live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on the adversaries who took advantage of you. Then you shall again obey the Lord, observing all his commandments that I am commanding you today. And the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all your undertakings, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your soil. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors when they obeyed the Lord your God 
by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in this book of the law. Because you, because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now surely this commandment that I'm commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us, or get it for us, so that we may hear it and observe it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us, and get it for us, so that we may hear it and observe it. No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. This ends the reading from Deuteronomy. Our second reading is from the letter to the Colossians. In the first 14, it is the first 14 verses of a remarkable first chapter. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ of Colossia, <laughs> grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always think of God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You've heard of this hope before in the word of truth. The gospel has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly compre comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Ephesus, who beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from His glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This ends the reading of the epistle. Our worship continues with a musical meditation by our guest musician, Mr. Ronald Weber. For those who are able to rise, please rise for the reading of the Gospel lesson. This morning it is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. May we hear a familiar story with new ears, since God always has more light and truth to break forth from the Word. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what, what must I do to inherit it? eternal life. He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. 
And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. He then put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you with whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Here ends the reading from Luke and the scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, the word of God, for the people of God. Before I came to St. Peter's, I was active in the Neighborhood Ministerial Association and the Logan Square Neighborhood Association, who sometimes worked with the ministers. They offered us the opportunity to take what is called Gamaliel Institute training and introduced us to a Bible study from the Institute. I've never forgotten the Bible study. In fact, I've shared it with youth fellowships here and maybe also in confirmation. I have no doubt it has played a role in some of my sermons. You and I know that the United States, among many other countries around the world, is going through a very trying time. And so are many of us as families and as individuals. Sometimes the Bible story, if we find ourselves in it, it can be a roadmap for growth, for going forward, and a source of spiritual understanding of what presents as anything but spiritual. Today we have a, at least at one point, a violent parable from Jesus. Violent for a while. As citizens in or near the Chicago metropolitan area, violence is not far away. And perhaps you yourselves have been victims of violence. The Highland Park mass shooting last Monday grabbed some of us because of its proximity. But even in this suburban sanctuary, we have not ignored the killings in Newtown, Orlando, Las Vegas, Christchurch, the Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue, Sutherland Springs Church, Santa Fe High, Mother AME Church in, Evan, in Charleston, El Paso, Milwaukee, Buffalo, Uvalde, and other mass shootings. Victims of gun violence, particularly victims of mass shootings, as we've seen, such as we've seen with increasing regularity. For this morning, given all the possible options out there, for who qualify for the role, and that's where this Gamaliel training comes in as applied to our gospel lesson. Who qualifies for the role of the Jewish traveler on the road to Jericho? The victim for this morning for the message is the accumulated victims of shootings and especially mass shootings. 
A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. This fellow was beaten so badly he was half the way to the grave. This was not a small incident. This was not when Greg Pelichuk punched me a few times behind the curtains in gym class when the gym teacher couldn't see. He was stripped, assaulted, and robbed. He was half dead. He was so badly pounded he just lay there unable to get up again or maybe even make much noise. He was crushed. Behold our victims, dead and surviving with trauma for our parable. Well, who would you say then, looking to today, who played the robbers? Who put the hurt on all those killed and injured, their loved ones and their communities? First of all, it's the shooters themselves. It's the Dylan Klebols and Dylan Roofs, the Peyton Gendrons and Patrick Cruziuses, Salvador Ramos, Stephen Paddock, the Bobby Cremos, Devin Patrick Kellys, and Nicholas Cruzes. But it was robbers plural. And what about the horrible weapons they used then? Weapons which tear up bodies so powerfully that one, at least one of the Uvalde girls, had to be identified by her tennis shoes and which decapitated some of the victims. High-powered rifles with big magazines holding lots and lots of bullets. I was at a Cluster One meeting this year. Tyler, one of my new colleagues, grew up in, as he said, in self-identified gun culture. He pointed out how gun manufacturers mold and target their advertising to future gun owners, including one which promises to send you your man card along with whatever first guns you purchase. You're a man if you own a gun. I guess if you don't then, you're not. Such marketing may not qualify for being a third robber thug in the parable, but it's a thought. So along come the priest and the Levite, after the shooters and their weapons have done their damage. Along come the priest and the Levite, servants of the Lord, emissaries of the temple. If someone was going to lend aid, you'd think it would be one or more of it to someone. It would be to one or more of his fellow Israelites, you know, serving the God who taught them to love their neighbor as themselves. But no. Neither, religious, neither religiously observant Jewish person did anything but walk on the other side of the road. Get away from me. Well, who would that be in today's image? Who are the priests and Levites today? Who walk by on the other side of the road, not stopping to help, while one of their own, even to the simple point of being a fellow human being, lies possibly dead or dying. Any ideas from the congregation? Politicians. Politicians. NRA. The NRA that they walk by, okay. A little bit about those two roles. 
in the, in the parable in Jesus' time. As servants of the temple, they might have feared becoming unclean by touching what could be a dead body. This guy could have been dead. That would have kept them from doing their jobs as uh, they under, they'd have to undergo ceremonial re-cleansings because touching a dead body makes you unclean. They also might have feared that this was a setup and the man was not really hurt, but was part of a trap to get them to stop, and then the robbers would come out and from hiding and wrap their heads against the stones. This road from Jerusalem to Jericho was known in Jesus' time as dangerous for travelers. And perhaps these men were not spiritual at all. They merely held jobs in the religious field. Or maybe they limited the practice of their faith in great suffering and tragedy to offering thoughts and prayers and only thoughts and prayers. Before going on, our reading from Deuteronomy lets us into a basic theology from the Hebrew Scriptures which is, the impact of this belief is all over the world. The Deuteronomist believed that if you are obedient to the law, God will bless you and prosper you on your way, period. In the reading, which Andre gave us, assuming a lapse of the people and a return to God, we heard, then you shall again obey the Lord, observing all God's commandments, and the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all your undertakings. When for Yahweh will again take delight in prospering you when you obey the Lord your God by observing the commandments and decrees that are written in this book of the law. So do right and get blessed. The flip side of that is, what does one think about the unprosperous? God has been tough on them because they have disobeyed God's laws? Are they to blame for their unhappy plight or the tragedy that befell them? Blaming the victim is still a dynamic, and in Chicagoland, it's easier for some white folks when the victim is a person of color or has a hard scrabble past. The victim does not even have to be unsuccessful to come under question. What was she doing being out after two in the morning? Why did he run from the police? He should have known that if he pulled out a cell phone, it might be mistaken for a gun and get shot. It's their fault. Well, if we were in, get to engage in that kind of thinking, and for our parable, the victim in Jesus' story should have known better than to travel that risky Jericho road. It's really on him. But we know this. Be the victim those from Buffalo or Highland Park or the Jewish fellow in Luke 10. First of all, who's to blame for going out to, you know, going grocery shopping and going to a Fourth of July parade? That's not even a question. But for... In, in this story, blame is not cast on the victim. If the Samaritan thought the beat-up traveler near death was a fool for taking this road, if there was some blame going on inside his heart, he did not let it rule his actions one iota. We know what he did to help heal this guy, to rescue him, who was a Jew, an adversary of Samaritans. There were no qualms. There were no questions of whether he deserved the help or not. He simply saw a significant need and responded in a, lo in a loving and faithful way. 
Because being a Jew did not matter to the Samaritan. And that is why he is the good Samaritan. He harbored no hate, only help for a fellow child of God who was badly suffering. That's all that matters. Gun violence victims, including those who are shot at 90 times and killed by law enforcement after Jalen left his gun in the car and ran following a traffic stop, while Krima was unharmed after killing seven innocent people, are the man in the parable who was assaulted, stripped, robbed, and left for dead. This era's shooters and their high-powered weapons are the robbers and thugs who did the damage. The Levite and the priest were determined not to get involved, possibly church people or cowardly politicians. But who is the good Samaritan? Any guesses? First responders are another category. Obviously, they help and are right there. But any guesses for who the Good Samaritan might be? You are. We are. Among other people of goodwill, in what Reverend William Barber II calls fusion coalitions, the church who follows Jesus' teaching is... By the grace of God, we are the Good Samaritans. The Reverend Fred Rogers is known for saying, look for the helpers, and that is our calling, to the best of our gifts, knowledge, and ability. Now, one of those things, uh, for those of us who share this view, is to make the Jericho Road not so dangerous. Economic development, whatever you want to do. But Martin Luther King Jr., in his sermon on this parable, lifted this up as one thing, that the church can help do for others is to make places of danger less dangerous. Public safety for public health. Another thing that those of us who share this view can do is contact our people in Springfield and in Congress to move on and support what this country used to have, an assault weapons ban. We had one from 1994 to 2004. It's sundown. Who needs a weapon that can turn a large group of human beings into unrecognizable carnage? In an article by Michael Klein in Yahoo News last month, he reported something I was interested in finding out about. He reported that from 1981 to the 1994 rollout of the ban, quote, the proportion of deaths in mass shootings in which an assault rifle was used was lower than it is today. Yet in this earlier period, mass shootings were steadily rising. Indeed, high-profile mass shootings involving assault rifles, such as the killing of five children in Stockton, California, and a 1993 San Francisco attack that left eight dead on our office, gave impetus for a prohibition on some types of gun. During the 1994-04 ban, the number of deaths from mass shootings fell, and the increase in the annual number of incidents slowed down. Even including Columbine in 1999, this period saw lower average annual rates of both mass shootings and deaths resulting. The average number of yearly deaths attributable to mass shootings during the ban was 5.3. It was 7.2 in the years leading up to the ban, and since the ban ended, 
quote back to Michael Klein, there was an almost immediate, immediate and steep rise in mass shooting deaths. From 2004 to 2017, the average number of yearly deaths attributable to mass shootings was, was not the earlier 5.3, which is during the ban, or 7.2, but 25. Also, many of the high-profile mass shooters in recent years bought their weapons less than one year before committing their acts. There's been a big growth in sales since folks have been allowed to buy and stockpile such weapons. Additional factors include changes in domestic violence rates, political extremism, psychiatric illness, firearm availability, a surge in sales, and recent rises in hate, hate groups." End of quote. What's a good Samaritan to do to help the victims and help to prevent an ongoing increase in mass shootings? I've mentioned lobbying those in power for an assault, a ban on assault weapons, which the writers of the Second Amendment in 1789 could not have imagined. This is where finding allies who share this goal fits. I referred in a, few, a few minutes ago to them as fusion coalitions, following the lead of Reverend Barber. Fusion coalitions, very short explanation. They're the result of networking several groups which may have their own agendas that they emphasize, but are broad enough to include yours, and yours, ours, are broad enough to include theirs, to the point where we join and stand up for each other on the points of agreement. It may not be our thing, the one thing we emphasize, but it is theirs and they're doing a thing and we're gonna show up in support of that thing that we also agree with. We just don't emphasize. A lot of organizing and networking. People make their voices heard and it's not just one or two or 20 or 100 or 1,000. So that's something that the Good Samaritans can do. Not the only thing by any stretch. In writing this sermon, and I am bringing this to a close, in writing this sermon, I discovered the Prevention Network through the United Church of Christ Justice and Peace Network. It's from it's the UCC's homepage. I also I just get their emails as well, and I followed the link. There's a link that I followed then to work by the network, and the, it led me to a piece called Gun Violence Must Stop. Here's what we can do to prevent more deaths. In summary, there are 14 recommendations, and then the full recommendation where the 14 points are described more fully. It approaches the topic from a public health perspective. The first one of the 14, and I'm, like I said, I'm bringing this to a close, so don't worry, I'm not gonna list all 14. The first one is gun safety. Reduce the imminent risk of lethality through sensible gun laws and a culture of safety. I've printed off five copies of that article. For those interested, take one. If, there, if we do happen to run out, tell me I've got it in a file in my hard drive, I can email it to you. I've printed off several copies, as I said, for we are to be the Samaritans, the good Samaritans, working with others of goodwill who also want to rid our land of this bloody pestilence in any of the ways which can make a difference. We are loving our neighbors, and that is good news.
I hope you found this message meaningful and also a helpful way to look at Bible study. It is a different way, and it might come easily. Uh, but uh, I'm grateful to have been introduced to it and to have used it in this message and at these times. Our church itself is part of a coalition without maybe knowing it called the Chicago Metropolitan Association. And as a member church in our denominations, Chicagoland uh, Association, I did, forgot and didn't have the time to mention that to St. Peter's, but that's a way to think of, okay, this is my part of my coalition and who can we have these fusions with to work together on issues just like this. Having said that, I'll share with you that next Sunday, July 17th, will be my last one before a two-week vacation. So I'll try to make that one especially good to last through the couple of coming weeks because I did not know that we were planning on using our guest preachers for, for that, uh, to put in the podcast. So until then, and until you ever get to listen to it, it might be long after July, July 17th, and that's fine. We're grateful whenever you find the time uh, to spend with us. Until then, may God bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.